are listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. Podcasting to you from deep in the heart of nap time, where I am starting to thaw out. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And from the snowy but still sunny Piedmont, Oklahoma, I'm Andrew Hoffman. There you go, guys. It was, uh, we got hit. Snowpocalypse! It hit us. <laughs> yeah, like two inches of snow. We... Uh, Oklahoma City logged four and a half, or even six, I think, officially. Yeah? Yeah. I, I think you got more snow on the south side than we did on the north side. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. This morning got out and dug a snow fort into a snow drift with my son, and it's been, it's been uh, rather cold, though. Yeah, but I I did manage to be, you know, in a metro area of whatever, a million people, uh, part of the 3,500 that lost their power, so that was nice. (laughs) So nice two-hour power outage, so we'll we'll blame the show being out late on that. Yeah, fair enough. That is, and and now it's a tenuous situation, or tedious, is tenuous the right word? We got two kids napping that could just explode at any time, so that it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be, uh, gonna be interesting. How this High pressure. Is. It yeah. is. Well, we got some, we've got a few good clips. So worst case, we can fire into one of those, and you can take care of what you got to take care of. Knock them out. Just knock. Yeah. Just chloroform them. <laughs> <laughs> so. I saw another Substack. So another Substack, yeah. I gotta tell you, I'm mildly concerned that you're gonna get all of your good thoughts out on the Substack, and then the show will suffer mildly. I think you can do both, but I think you know it could it could be could be a challenge. Yeah, there's a little bit of you know. I mean, there's only so much of my limited brain power to go both places, but it, it's uh, it's also. Material for the Substack is generally relevant to the show. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, wanted to point out to everybody, thank you to our producer who uh, helped us do our show last week. He actually uh, took took the audio and edited it, and I got a positive feedback. Got one positive feedback that the audio <laughs> sounded good, so much much appreciated to credit that. to him yes yeah. absolutely thank you so much and uh actually i was going to put it in the show notes i wonder if i did i'll double check but uh oh it doesn't look like it ended up in there that's too bad i will make sure it's in there from now on so uh much much appreciated to to this kind sir that is helping us with that and uh somebody else i think the same person that uh, commented that the audio sounded better. Said, "Watch out for those mouse clicks." So I know the mouse was a was a uh, a complaint because of the loud clicking. 
But I have a silent mouse now. Silent. Oh, nice. Silent mouse. Nice. So, yeah. Silent as a mouse. Yeah. Yeah, it's a silent mouse, so it should be good. should be a lot better. Okay. Well, moving forward, what... I mean, you and I have talked a little bit back and forth this week. We didn't talk about it too much last week, or we did, but the big news of the week is... What's going on in Truckers? Canada? Truckers, yeah. man. Or as someone put on their Substack, Truckers versus Teslas. Ah, that know, was the title. Self plug. Title of the of the self of the Substack. <laughs> well, you and I both find this to be very interesting. Oh yeah. So, yeah. do you want to get into? I don't want to. I'll you know, run over what you kind of have prepared. So I'll let you kind of lead the way here. Well, do you want to play? I do have one, or actually two trucker clips. The the just incredible, get it, get it, just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Canadian guy who has been following the trucker thing closely, and the our our friend who edits the Substack columns sent us some clips. So I've got one of those. Is that ready to go? It is. All right, let's start with that. Hey, everyone. It is now January 30th. I want to address the few trolls out there, of course. It's always fun to do one of these on YouTube. Now, go look at the last, like, what, seven, eight videos I've uploaded? The thousands and thousands of comments coming in. People are just bursting with love and pride and support for what's going on. People in countries all around the world are calling themselves Canadians. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see this this unity all around the world, regardless of the flag of your country. People are, are supporting this overwhelmingly. Only about one out of every 50 or 60 comments is a detractor. And almost always, they use the exact same non-arguments. It's time for another edition of Bust the Narrative. Goes a little something like this. Well, you see, 90% of truck drivers have rolled up their sleeves and taken two injections. So therefore, this is just a small minority. Wow, you really haven't been paying attention. Somewhere between 50 and 70% of those registered to participate in this convoy are double. They took two, they're double you know what. Just because they rolled up their sleeves and complied does not mean they support mandates. To think otherwise is absurd. These rallies are full of double injected people. People on both sides of that camp are standing up for the right to choose. And a lot of the truck drivers that were coerced into it are not happy about it, and they're taking a stand, just like everyone in the crowd supporting them. Just because someone took an injection doesn't mean they support what the government is doing. The next argument a lot of people like to try and use is, what makes truckers so special? Why weren't they out there fighting for all the other people? The, the nurses and doctors that were fighting against mandates. The, the people in restaurants fighting against mandates. People in every profession that were fighting against mandates. That's what this is. This is for all. This is for everyone. This is not about truck drivers and some rule to cross the border between Canada and the USA. From the very first day, it was about removing 
all mandates and all restrictions for all citizens. The organizers of the convoy already released their list of demands a few days ago, and you can easily find it. Just do a Google search, you'll find their website. I, you know what, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll link it in the description below. The demands are very simple. Either the current government steps down, or all unfounded, unscientific restrictions, mandates, segregation, passports, all of it is removed for all Canadians. The border issue is just one small part of it. And the third argument, of course, which is really, really lame, well, I support healthcare workers. I don't support the truckers. Newsflash, there are healthcare workers in all the convoys, in all the rallies, standing on overpasses, in the protests. They've had their own protests across Canada too, but you are obviously indoctrinated by mainstream media, so you don't get this information or you'll get the smeared version of it, or just a couple of fringe people. Yeah, just like this fringe right now, right? I have four personal friends in healthcare, three RNs and a paramedic, and several of them have chosen to give up their career over taking an unnecessary injection into their body, and that is their choice, and that is what this fight is about. Oh, and finally, then you get the personal attacks. I even had a couple of people say, oh, you're not even in Canada, you're a fake, blah, 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 the, the trees are green behind you. How ignorant can you be? Canada is the second largest country on the planet. I'm in BC near Vancouver. I'm on an island right now, outside of Vancouver. We almost never get any snow here. This year we got a little bit of snow thing. for Christmas, which was rare. The, the fact that he's really in Canada, you know, I believe him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I thought that was interesting, and I've kind of come around from thinking this was more of a, a setup to thinking it's it was designed to be a setup but it was supposed to be much much smaller than it is and I think the the fact that so many people are involved and so many trucks are involved uh, might actually work yeah yeah I think the same I think maybe it was kind of designed to fail or mm-hmm. and it's just got too much steam it's got too much steam um, yeah. I, got, I got a clip here this is a gentleman who is uh, helping kind of organize the convoy I don't even he's not an organizer but he's he, you get it from the clip just this but this is some of the stuff that's actually happening you know while Trudeau is saying uh, you know that these are uh Disgusting, you know. Yeah. Uh, outburst. So listen, listen, listen to these. Just a bunch of, just a few fringe racists. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me listen to the uh, juxtaposition of the of these two clips real quick. And to Canadians at home, watching in disgust and disbelief at this behavior, wondering how this could have happened in our nation's capital after everything we've been through together. This is not the story of our pandemic, of our country, of our people. Canada is strong because you are strong. Pendant près de deux ans, les Canadiens ont fait preuve de force, de générosité et de respect. Vous avez démontré votre courage. Vous avez fait... For nearly two years, you've been there for each other, as neighbors, 
friends and fellow Canadians. I think of the moms and dads who looked after their families, the kids who stepped up in so many different ways, seniors who stayed strong in our darkest days, volunteers throughout our communities who supported our most vulnerable, frontline workers from truckers to store clerks who've kept our shelves stocked and made sure we have food on our tables, healthcare heroes who've saved countless lives and continue to do so. We know you're tired, and yet you do not stop. You inspire us. Canadians support you. We're in your corner. All of you, you are the story of this pandemic, not the convoy. Cette pandémie, c'est d'être là. We're heading to Belleville, in the convoy on the way to Ottawa. And uh, when we were in uh, Port Hope, there was uh, hundreds and hundreds of people uh, heading to Ottawa, but there was a lot of people that couldn't make it, so they brought food and all kinds of items for the truckers and whatnot, and we're asking people to take it up there. So we, we took a few bags. I just uh, got overwhelmed. We opened up one of the bags to see what they, were, what they had in them, and I got punched in the heart. Um, whoever these people are, they had their kids do up uh, a bag with a cookie in it for the truckers, and they attached a note with it, put their artwork on there. Sorry, I'm getting emotional again. I'm going to show you what it was, and this is why we're doing what we're doing. Some little kid made this. Reach for the stars, we believe in you. It was a picture of a truck. Inside of it, they left a note. The note says, Dear Mr. or Mrs. Trucker, it's really awesome that you're standing up for human rights. I'm only 11, so I don't know much about it, but I believe what's happening is wrong. And I know you can do it. Sincerely, Kate. And she's got a a cookie and a baggie for a trucker. This is absolutely amazing, and this is why we're doing it. All you parents out there that know what's going on, God love you for letting your kids know. I'm going to sign off. Please just share this everywhere. This is amazing. Totally just right-wing conspiracy nuts. They're not, you know, they're not regular people. He sounded like a sounded like a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> he did sound like a Nazi. <laughs> I was thinking that when he was talking. I was like, this guy what kind of, clearly what kind hates of, the Jews. What kind of Nazi loves children and <laughs> cookies? Come on. <laughs> yeah, we got to be all about the vaccines. So, you know. You and I both have our concerns, and I think our concerns were, and you know, we can kind of share them unless you had a different kind of way to go through it, or you wanted to read from no, the Substack no, or what. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, 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 
it seems like it may have been started as kind of a uh, controlled opposition. Mm-hmm. And both of you and I are con- we're concerned immediately about the supply chain being on its last leg. And, and this is just going to exacerbate the situation. And isn't that kind of what the globalists want? Bring everybody to their knees. Right. But this thing is really gaining steam. Like, it's almost out of control. Uh, I, I think it is completely out of control. And it, I've never seen anything quite like it. Let me read a post. Just a, just well, a, a, well I'll, th- I'll throw in there, too, Please. because the... The telltale sign that it's manipulated is is usually mainstream media coverage. Right. Like they hype up the stuff that they want to hype. And from the beginning, this thing, they tried to ignore it completely. And then, you know, they'll do like a little, oh, it's just a few people that try to minimize it, try to, you know, if it were really a bunch of racists, they would be hyping this thing 24-7. Yeah, look, look, look. But no, it's like trying to cover it up, trying to talk it down. Now they're trying to discredit it. So, and this is, but behind the scenes, they, I think they thought we can do what we did in Australia. We'll just back off on the, the craziest parts for truckers and it'll go away. And because we, we had the same thing, but on a much smaller scale. In Australia, where they were, the trucks were blocking entrances to cities, and it was kind of blocked out on the the news. And they lifted some of those mandates for truckers, and it just kind of fizzled out. At least media perception, media coverage that gets to us fizzled out. I don't know what's actually going on in Australia, but um, I think they thought they could do the same thing here. They've there's already, you know. They've already made offers to the truckers, and wow. Wow. but if the if the truckers, you know, just like in that clip that we played, if they stick with, you either all resign, which never going to happen, or you lift all the mandates for everyone. Period. They're going to win. Yeah. So it's and it, it the the question is can they co- can it be co opted. This I had to I had to read this, and I think that this is the sort of thing that's actually kind of anathema to uh, it's, uh, to the powers that shouldn't be to Trudeau, this idiot. Uh, as an Ottawa resident, it's so bizarre watching these things unfold. Local news, city council are, are all about end the chaos and call so in the army. But what my, are you reading, or what's what's? This is just a quick. Uh, this is from Twitter. So okay. just super simple. It's not not gonna be super long. Just a quick post. But as an Ottawa resident, it's so bizarre watching these things unfold. Local news, city council are all end uh, the uh, end of days chaos. End the chaos. Call in the army. But my mom's groups on Facebook are all baking muffins, making sandwiches, sharing videos of singing protesters, and doing trucker crafts. I think I think this is this is what's happening. I think that the, I think we're fortunate that what is universally considered to be the most polite population in the world is the one that's doing this because yeah. we got Jordan Peterson talking about you know he was 
on Twitter or somewhere else, or it was after Rogan, and he was just talking about it. Sound, I mean, it just sounds so stupid when Trudeau gets up there and talks about right wing extremists and Nazis and hate groups, and it's like they're Canadians, and yeah, for they're, some, they're Canadians. <laughs> like the, there was no Confederacy. Like the Confederate, the brand new, you know, still wrinkles in it from the from the box that was bought in. Confederate flag, it just makes no sense. Like, who who's falling for that? And you saw the person that looked like Trudeau's personal photographer taking those photos, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So, I guess you didn't read my Substack. No. Oh, I actually, I did. I'm sorry. I forgot that it was on there. I, for, I forgot that it was on there. He has, he has some answers to, to do or some answers to give. So, we're lucky that they're the most polite population on the planet. And, and they're, it's, it just, there's never been a more big divide between what's being reported and what people are actually seeing. And the fact that more and more people are coming out and then the response is, it's just a few fringe minority. This is really bringing a, a light to it all. I have, mm-hmm. I, my whole family uh, lives, most of them, except my cousin who lives in uh, BC. My mom's side of the family all lives in Ontario. And, you know, some of them vaxxed up, some of them boosted up, you know, different, a lot different views on a lot of stuff than I have. Totally for the truckers. Just want to end this crap. Finally, somebody mm-hmm. stand up to this guy. They call him, they call Trudeau Peter Pan. I've never heard any of them refer to the Justin Trudeau as Justin Trudeau. They literally all call him Peter Pan constantly. <laughs> like it's his dang name. Yeah. And they all hate him. Everyone, he's universally loathed and hated up there. And, you know, my family probably up there even leans a little bit conservative but conservative in Canada is you know what it's like 10 years ago is liberal down here I mean it's right it's, it's, yeah. but but they, they all hate him they don't care they don't like him and, and it's starting to make its way into the to the to the parliament so I, got, I grabbed this clip this is one of the guys speaking at the parliament it's a short 40 seconds but I think it's worth hearing it didn't start now many people have been that's actually your clip. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And Mr. Speaker, I was out at an overpass as the truckers went by. And what I saw were cheerful, patriotic, optimistic Canadians who want their freedom back and want their livelihoods back. And they're standing up for their fellow Canadians, the 60% of families who fear they can't feed themselves. The 28-year-old kid living in mom's basement because he can't afford a home. The small businessman wiped out by endless lockdowns by incompetent politicians. These are the people that are standing up and fighting for their livelihoods and their freedom. Why won't the government finally stand with them? Uh, Pfizer money? Oh, Oh, that wasn't a real question. Brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. Well, so Tesla versus truckers. There's yet another angle on this. And, of course, if you go to uh, liar.com, those of you out there who don't know about it, if you type in liar.com to any browser, it brings up Justin Trudeau's Wikipedia page. At least I'll double-check it for today. But uh, you want to explain how that happened? Well, Elon Musk owns Liar.com, and so he currently has it routed to uh, Justin Trudeau's Wikipedia page. So, so on this show, as far back as I can remember, I've been pretty negative on Elon, mainly because he started a fight with me. He said car salesmen are the worst, and need to get we need to get rid of them. And many, <laughs> many, maybe people out there agree with him, 
But either way, uh, I thought it was interesting that he just said that it's a it's a useless job and people don't need it. Um, when it turns out, in a lot of ways, I think it is actually helpful to the American economy. But you know, he is definitely in the majority in that, and we will find out soon. So, so I think they are going to phase that that out. I have always been negative on him for that for, to start with, and then with all of the uh, you know electric cars, where basically every you know hundred thousand dollar car or eighty thousand dollar car, sixty seventy thousand dollar car that he makes, he loses money on the creation of and the sale of, but he gets so much money in tax subsidies. He's just basically a professional government scammer, right? Like he just like he knows all well, the loopholes and he knows how to get himself some of that good tax money. It's so, not. It's not that the company makes money. Even it's just that the stock price just keeps going up. Yes. Well, and, and not just that, but they they make money from the, the kickbacks, all the green kickbacks and all that baloney. And, right. you and know, the, it incentivizes people to, you know, get you get to go in the carpool lane if you got a Tesla and you do this if you got a Tesla. And anyway, I was actually in the car business, too. And aside from him saying I was useless, the cars are sometimes rubbish. Like, it's cool technology. Mm-hmm. They drive themselves. It, batteries are kind of cool. I'm, I'm into all that. I understand people's. But, like, if you sit in one. Depending on some of them are great, the seams are all perfect. But a lot of them, you sit in them, it's like this. This is a weird looking seam. Like, why is the gap on this fender this big? It they're not. They're not the same. They're it's like a glued on body. They're not the same quality as like a, a Japanese or you know European, especially luxury car. They're, and they're in that luxury car segment. They're just I don't know. So I'm not a fan. But moving past that, SpaceX, it's all just a scam to get money from the government. His whole internet, or yeah, his internet thing, scam to get money from the government. Tesla cars in general, well, scam to get money from the government. Scam to get money from the government, but more importantly, it's a spy grid for the government. Absolutely. <laughs> With the, he, the Skylink thing. He is the flip Starlink. side of the Bill Gates coin. He wants to get a chip in everybody's brain that he controls so that he can make all the money off of it. But he's super edgy. He made Liar.com. He pointed at Justin Trudeau. He's a man of the people. <laughs> he donated money to the truckers, which he wants to replace with autonomous trucks. Ooh. <laughs> so that, I thought, was an interesting point that you brought up the other day. He's all for the truckers working themselves out of a job? Yeah. And working f- all for the truckers to, you know, stand up and fight and make... Uh, the case that autonomous trucks are needed. They no longer have to be safer and cheaper. They just have to be available. Because right now we don't have truckers to drive anything. You know, don't you want groceries to be delivered to your grocery store? Come on. So that's I think that's where they're planning on taking it. But timing wise you know, I mean, he's not rolling out fleets of autonomous trucks tomorrow. It's yeah. not really ready to go. So I think, like, pushing this now, the way the Canadian truckers are, I think is, you know, uh, it went beyond the script and it went ahead of schedule. So that's why I'm I'm hopeful. You know, we'll see. I'm not, I'm hopeful, but not confident. Same, same. All right, where to next? Well, do you want to play that uh, Arthur Pulowski? We've played his 
clips before the Polish Canadian pastor who has been arrested multiple times for having church in Canada is speaking uh, to a group of people that are part of the closing down the border part of the protest. Yeah, let's get into it. I like this guy. This is our empty fence guy. Yep. People in my country in 1980 finally they said our children are worth fighting for. And they did it and they took it to the streets and they paralyzed the entire system. Yes, thousands were arrested. Yes, people were tortured and beaten. Yes. There is a price attached to freedom. How do you think the second war ended? Millions had to die. How do you think the first war ended? Millions had to die. And that's the price that we have to be willing to pay if our children are going to have a free and democratic society. This is our time. For two years we have been dancing polka with them. For two years we have been trying our best to reason with the villains. But I know villains. See, bully will never stop bullying. He will keep stealing from you all the time. They have, they have big appetites, those greedy dogs. <laughs> you have power now. Don't give it away. I agree. The eyes of the world again are here on this little border. And the world is watching you. Will you give in? Will you stop fighting? Will you stop defending the rights of the of the free Canadians? No. And now you have some for whatever reason. Just before we are going to get our freedom, are telling you give up. Right before thousands of people are willing to come to support you now you're going to abandon them what are you going to say oh we've changed our plans no. what are you going to say to those today and yesterday no. every single minute i got thousands of messages thousands i mean this thing never stops people saying we're coming to courts yeah. we're coming to the milk river we're coming to support we're bringing it what do you need what do they need we're coming Thousands upon thousands of people are coming. They don't have enough RCMP officers to deal with that. That's right. They don't have enough army to deal with that. Remember, you have the power now. Do not give it away just because it feels right. And yes, some of you might be arrested. Yes, some of you might pay the price. I'm not going to teach you that is pleasant and beautiful on concrete in jail facing the biggest guns in the country, it's not. They don't treat us well over there, especially when you're a pastor. Three days on concrete and two nights, every half hour they banged on my door. They did not allow me to sleep for three days and two nights. They roughed me up, they stripped naked me, they put chain on my leg, and yet I'm still here with you. Yes. Those people don't play fair. They're coming here with their badges and they're telling you that they represent the law. No, they're representing, they represent lawlessness. They are gangsters for the biggest mafia that there is, Kenny's mafia. And it's up to you now for the first time in two years to rise up, to stand up and to hold the fort. And if this is our Alamo, so be it. And if you don't want to be here, 
No one is stopping you. You can take your car or your truck and you can go. There is a huge rally in Calgary. There is a huge rally in Edmonton. You can join them. No one will think of you as a coward. Everyone has to face the giants of the lungs. But I'm telling you, there is this huge opportunity right now that we have been given. God has given us this moment in history. Why? Because international media are watching you right now. That's power. During 1980, there was an order to shoot the protesters, to kill them. But because of the American media, they backed away from doing this because they knew the whole world will see what is happening in Gdańsk in 1980. Right now, the whole eyes of the entire world are fixed on this little place. That's right. And you can do the right thing, or you can pack and honk around Parliament, legislature, fine. But I'm telling you, they're honking around Parliament right now for a week. Yeah. How long are we going to be honking? For a month? For two? They're not really afraid of our honks. What they're afraid of is this. People coming together and paralyzing their system. Polish people did it the right way. They said, we shall not cooperate with the villains. We do not work for the KJB and Russians. We will not work for you anymore. They walked out of their jobs. Albertans, walk out of your jobs. In solidarity with the truckers, say to your employers, you're implementing those mandates, I will not give you my money and I will not work for you. If every man and every woman would do that, within a week, all the mandates would be gone. That's power. We have started something that they cannot stop, so they have to. They have to use psychological warfare, threats, or terror, fear, or arrest you. Well, here I am. I'm sure there's some spies here. You want to arrest me? I'm not hiding. Arrest me. And from jail, I will be yelling and screaming the same message. Canadians, rise up. Stand up. So that's what I have to say. In 1981, tens of thousands of Polish people were arrested. In 1981, they outlaw solidarity movement. They said anyone that belongs to the movement will be arrested and many were. My wife's mother wanted to escape the hell, the communistic hell, and she was caught. My wife was born in prison. I know what I'm talking about. I know because I lived through it. And I'm telling you for the sake of your children, here is your opportunity to hold the fort. Do not break the line. Don't do it. And may God, may God help us all because we don't fight with guns and swords. We don't fight with tasers and and the the police vehicles. We don't. We just want to go back and work hard and achieve something and provide for our families. We just want to be left alone. But they're not leaving us alone. And they keep coming and coming with more and more and more. And this will never end. 
You thought when you get the first job, it's going to end. I told you two years ago, they came for the pastors. Be sure of it. They're going to come for you as well. Yeah. Look at us. We all are in this pickle together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see them stopping? Trudeau Castro has bought 12 jobs for every one of you. He has big plans, this boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, we got to break those plans. We have to stop them in the middle of them running. So be blessed. 82 came. It was hard. It was hard to see machine guns and check stops and military everywhere and tanks and it was very hard. It was very hard. You couldn't go out. There was curfew. So many people arrested. So many people tortured. So many be beaten. And yet they hauled the line. They did that. And in 1989, the Iron Curtain got broken. And the Berlin Wall has fallen. And the eyes of the world was watching all of that. And solidarity has become a symbol of freedom and resistance. In 1989, Poland had the first free and democratic election. After the second war. We don't have elections anymore, friends. Don't teach yourself. You think we've elected our officials? No, they were no. appointed. Exactly. We have no say in democracy anymore. We've lost democracy. Canada is not a democratic nation anymore. And if those two years didn't, didn't show you that, then you must be blind. We need our country back. How are you going to get your country back? If you're not going to stand up, stand up. Yeah. And thousands are coming to help you. That's right. To stand up. Yeah. Be blessed. What did you think, Tim? Tim might be dealing with kids. Uh, so my, I thought that was really good. Uh, unfortunately, the main place I saw that was on YouTube, so hopefully people get it up to other platforms before YouTube takes it down. I think it's had about 55,000 views in less, less than a day, so hopefully... Uh, that gets spread out to freer platforms. And, yeah, the, the fence is being emptied, and Tim is back. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes. Uh, well, I, I had I had heard that clip earlier this morning when you sent it. So it's a rousing speech, man. And I think yeah. that anybody can hear that and then, and then get mo motivated. Um and he speaks from experience. I mean, and and you know, yeah. we know he he means what he says. He stood up to the tyrants when they came to him. He called them Nazis, and uh, they threw him in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they threw him in jail for having church services, and he was right. You know, a lot of people were right. This is not going to stop. You either defeat it or you end up in the gulag. Those are the. It's a it's a very binary path at this point. So you but, know, I I don't think the Canadian government is going to 
end all the mandates unless, like Boris Johnson, they make the calculation that that's the one way they can save their political skin. Well, I'm... Yes and no. Did you hear... So there was some weird stuff happening. Uh, it, it looked like somebody had actually brought legal kind of uh, investigations against Pfizer and the people administering for like attempted murder or accessory to murder. And that sort of stuff was starting to circulate in the within the UK government. Guys were showing up with cease and desist orders for the uh, <laughs> for the <laughs> cease and desist orders for uh, the vaccine. <laughs> for the vaccine uh, where, places. So. Where's your smile? We should do video. She always smiles at me. Yeah, she's got a big <laughs> she's got a big smile going right now. So I don't know. Okay. Let's uh, give me a second. I got to do something here. All right, let's change it up. Yeah, let's let's. I mean, we you know we got to get into vaccine stuff. So let's. Oh yeah, Lord knows we have to get into vaccine <laughs> stuff, buddy. So, so let, let's do the uh, the Thomas Renz clip. This guy is a lawyer, and I don't know that we played it on the show, but it definitely made the rounds. He him talking about the percentage of increase in the military database for adverse reactions to the vaccine yeah that is an intense clip and so this this one is a little different same subject and this he's talking to a not uh not banyan but someone from real america's voice so tom these military doctor whistleblowers uh, did this under the serious penalty of major prison time uh, and the numbers on miscarriages and cancer in 2021 they're vastly different than in previous years. So what do you think will ultimately come of all of this? Where are we heading, Tom? Well, where we're heading is the downfall of the COVID cabal, uh, what we intend to do with this. So this data is going to be submitted in some of our court cases. Uh, we're also intending to make sure that our politicians can't continue to avoid this. You've noticed this media blackout, right? Well, we're going to be dealing with that coming up real quick. Uh, there's no question. Everybody knows this. And here's what they have to do. And I'm given, here's your way out, politicians, right? You've got a couple good guys, Louis Gohmert, Senator Johnson, a few guys that have really fought on this. But for those of you who have been, you know, COVID uh, sellouts, here is your out. And I want you to hear me. I'm going to put this in as simple terms as possible. This data is coming out. We're going to make it go everywhere. We're going to do it in the courts. We're going to do it everywhere. And it's not just me. So you guys can keep coming after me, but I've given it to so many attorneys, you're going to have a heck of a time shutting this up. So your options are you can you can come out and you can support the American people and you can start investigating and hopefully imprisoning these bureaucrats that have been murdering our soldiers and murdering American people. Or you can show the American people that you stand on the side of death, on the side of big pharma, on the side of billionaire donors over the rights and over the bodily integrity of the American people, even if it comes down to the health of our soldiers. I saw today, I was outraged, Anthony scumbag garbage murderer Fauci came out and said he wants to give this to kids under four in a three-dose series. He wants to murder more children. He has this data. He knows this data. He is a liar. He is a crook. He is Mengele on steroids. I cannot think of a worse Tom. human being on this planet. 
Tom, let, let, let me uh, uh, talk to you directly about this. You have uh, right here on national television called uh, Anthony Fauci a murderer. You have called other people murderers. Uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I want you to explain exactly why you're using the term murderer. You were saying that he personally knew about this information and decided to go forward anyhow. Is that what you're saying, that this is, this is premeditated? Is, I just want to understand exactly why you're saying that. It is a serious charge that you are leveling right here. Yes, I am. And let me tell you exactly why I'm leveling it. This data is indisputable. It is in the Del uh, Defense Department Health Surveillance Agency. These people are looking at this data. Project Salus, if you look at the Umetrics uh, Project Salus report that I've made public, that I've put on my website, you can still find it there. They scrubbed it from the internet except for my website. If you see that, you see that on the weekly report, they knew 71% of new cases and 60% of new hospitalizations were fully vaxxed. They knew this. They say that this was going, there's sites in there. If you read that paper, there's citations as, as shown in the ASIP presentation. Geez, it's shocking that Pfizer and uh, uh, the FDA don't want that, uh, that documentation on the FDA approval out, isn't it? Well, we know why. We know what they were looking at. We know at least part of it. I'd hate to guess what else they're looking at. You know, if you guys want to fight with me about this, let's go to discovery. Let's see your data. You got something that you don't have anything to hide. Don't hide it. But I'm going to tell you what this DOD document shows that for at least some period of time, these people have knowingly covered up injuries and deaths in the, uh, our military system. And my question to, uh, to the uh, our elected officials is now that we've shown this data, now that we've shown this data, under, given to me as a declaration under penalty of perjury, now that this data has been shown, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand with special interests? Is Big Pharma enough to allow you to sell out, to, you know, sell out our military? Right. Kill our men and women? So, so Tom, a lot of things, I, I brought you on to talk about certain things about the report, but, but we, get, we need to go where you're going. Let, let me talk to you about a couple things. What is the smoking gun here? You're saying that they've seen this information, that that would be the smoking gun, that they knew. How do you prove that they knew? They will deny it. How do you prove it? So I don't know who saw it, other than the fact that we know that the Defense Department... So here's the thing. When we look at this, uh, when we look at this, you have to look at intent. You have to look at recklessness. I mean, listen... We have Anthony, uh, we have uh, Peter McCullough, we have Robert Malone, we have the top doctors in the world out there talking about the danger of this. And what we have is the other side, Anthony, led by Anthony Fauci, who's now saying that he wants to jab four-year-olds. Yeah. Out there telling everybody that he, you know, this is safe and effective. And, and t I saw today the poor man said he was vilified. Vilified? Are you kidding me? Right. You're a villain. No wonder you're vilified. Tom, In my opinion, this man is a garbage piece of a piece of garbage. What, what he's doing here? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go. Is, so the Defense Military Epidemiology Database is designed. It's literally it's it's amazing. It's the mil U.S. military, which is top notch. Right. Right. It's there to watch for health issues in it, our troops. It would be reliable okay? data. It would be reliable data. Right. It's, it's as reliable a data as we can we can find, right? But, and this data is not just reliable; it's it's 
almost a control group, right? I mean, you've got the military records. They're as good as it gets in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these guys are are tasked with watching this. And the Project Salus... Right. I'm sorry. I I, I, I don't mean... I'm very fired up. No, I understand. And I wish I had more time. I've got less than a minute. Actually, i got 30 seconds. But I've got to ask you this question before you go. You're calling Fauci a murderer... You are filing federal lawsuits. You're, in, you're fighting the federal government. You're getting more traction out there now with Senator Johnson in this hearing. Are you afraid for your life? I've had a lot of threats, but God's got my back. That's interesting. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of awe-inspiring that, to think about. Yeah, the, this is yeah. <laughs> This is kind of what I've been waiting for. Like, this is the level of evil that's going on. Like, mass murder, conscious mass murder is what's going on with these vaccines. So, we have to call it, we we first have to acknowledge that. Acknowledge that that's what's happening, not a... You know, difference of opinion on on efficacy and little lies and statistical manipulations. No, this is mass murder, and we either stop it or let them kill however many people they want to. And uh, the the thing about kids is important because you know we've talked about it, but I've got I've got a clip where she um, goes over the reasons they have to give this to the zero to four-year-olds. And this is the uh, Christina Parks clip. It's convenient because the zero to four, one of the zero to four-year-olds, third co-hosts of this show today. So (laughs) yeah, she's, (laughs) she's doing a great job. It didn't start now. Many people have been fighting this corruption for many years. When they did the 1986 Vaccine Injury Act, and said that uh, manufacturers no longer have liability for any vaccine that's on the childhood schedule, the childhood schedule exploded. Now, I'm not saying every vaccine is or isn't safe on that um, schedule, but I'm saying that's when they said, we have the perfect business model. Every kid has to take these vaccines if we put it on the schedule, and we have no liability. And so the schedule exploded, and um, safety corners were cut because we have no liability. And suddenly we started to see you have to have HPV for school. You have to have this for school. You have to have that for school. And so this business model, the more they pushed it, the more they realized no one pushed back because of this sort of idea that vaccines were always, always a positive health intervention. And so now we've gotten to the point where the mass formation psychosis around vaccines always being a positive health intervention has gotten us here. And so we have to look at that aspect. Why are they vaccinating our children? Because once it's on the vaccine, um, once it's on the childhood schedule, they are no longer liable for injury. So they're going to get off that EUA, put it right on the childhood vaccine schedule, and then have no liability going forward. And that's the reason that, you know, Moderna just got FDA approved for Spikevax, which isn't sold in the U.S., so they're doing the same scam as Pfizer with the uh, comorbidity or whatever the name is, Comirnaty. And the only vaccines you can get, they are exempt from from being sued because of the emergency use authorization. 
the ones that are FDA approved, they have to get approved all the way down and on the childhood vaccine schedule. Otherwise, they're, they are liable for those. If there's an FDA approved vaccine, it's just like any other medicine if it's not on the childhood vaccine schedule. So that's that's the agenda. That's why they, I mean, you know, they went with as low a dose as they could possibly do and it didn't work. And I've got an article from Children's Health Defense about the failed Pfizer trial. And the government said, don't worry about the fact that you're, you're rigged trial still failed uh, apply for emergency use authorization anyway so they applied for it anyway and coming up in a couple weeks um, they'll probably get it although you can and should uh, make your voice heard uh, they're open for comments right now so this is the, the comment period to the um, FDA and Toby Rogers posted this on the Defender, the RFK Jr. I just, I just I just wanted to add yeah. something just real quick yes. while I have an opportunity here. Um, we, if like a lot of our listeners may not have kids, or the kids may be older. Like you know, I know when I was going through school, the vaccine you know schedule was not currently what it is. Um, but I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of vaccines that are happening these days. Their kids are getting hepatitis C or B vaccines like right after birth. Yeah, like, they're supposed they they try to give it to them like directly yeah. after birth, which is a disease that can only be spread uh, sexually transmissibly or through sharing needles. Yeah, so they shoot your if child you, with if a you're needle. not an intravenous drug user, your risks are. Pretty Almost nil. Almost zero. That. Right. Yeah. Right. And an intravenous drug user who shares needles. Right. Uh, then you don't need it. However, at this point, I think there's two shots for that on the schedule, and one of them is immediately. Like, yeah. as soon they, as the baby's and born. And they try to, I mean, they with the, the fake vitamin K shot, too. I'm still mad about that one. That's the only one... They talked me into, but uh, hey, vitamin K, not actually a vitamin, just FYI. You and me artificial both. Artificial garbage. Yep. Yeah, and we talked about that on the show. I, I read the insert that said uh, one of the side effects possible is death. Some of this yeah. vitamin K shot, which stops bleeding because for the first two weeks, they can't stop bleeding on their own. Um, well, so. if they have a, a very rare condition, which they don't, you know... It, let's give them a vitamin K injection instead of checking to see if they have this rare condition. <laughs> we'll just give it to everybody. Yeah. Okay, That's, go ahead. So you can, uh, they've got 23 people with contact information, their phone number, email address. I keep uh, trying to start writing something and then can't quite... Uh, write something that I won't regret sending. So haven't haven't actually sent anything yet. But uh, if you go to childrenshealthdefense.org and urgent stop FDA approval approval of Pfizer shots for kids six months to four years, you can make your voice heard there. So. That's a, I encourage everybody to kind of get out there and do that. It's time to 
speak up. I think so. If thirty percent of people lined up to get the the five to eleven year olds, or maybe around that thirty percent number, I think it's probably lower than that. I can't imagine there's a whole bunch of people that are on the zero to four. I know there's some. I know there's some. Yeah. But there's a whole. I can't imagine there's a ton. Uh, the the thought. Cause my wife is subscribed to all the children's health defense stuff and the RFK Junior stuff and. Uh, the look that I got from <laughs> across the room when she read that on on the on the uh, phone was not uh, a very uh, promising uh, uh, business model if for the future going forward uh, for the uh, for the vaccines uh, for yeah. kids because you know as you can hear in this podcast there there is one of those people in this house <laughs> right yeah and I think in in some ways. This will this will force people to actually do a little bit of research and question the whole vaccine enterprise, and that's you know that's what I I want to see. I want to see people question the whole deal, not just this particular shot. Like, don't assume that the other shots are good; they're not. But um, yeah, this is. I mean, it's just. Can you imagine? Like, oh, this is good for for uh, my company or for my agency. So even though I know this is bad and dangerous for kids, I'm going to push for it to happen. It's crazy. It's pure evil, man. It's, it's it is pure evil. Yeah, it definitely is. So. Did you want to read that article? I. People can go uh, check it out. It just—it's mainly on the the most important part is the contact information, email addresses, phone numbers, etc. So, you know, if especially maybe there's one of the twenty-three possible that isn't totally sold out to pharma, but even though they are sold out to pharma, that uh, doesn't mean they shouldn't hear hear from people. So another article from The Defender. Uh, This one is on a little different subject than usual, although certainly related. Uh, It is, Technology is Not the Answer, title that gets my attention, by Stephen Gorlick. The most recent topic explored by the thinkers and activists who make up the Great Transition Network was technology in the future. As writer after writer posted their thoughts, it was heartening to see that almost all recognize that technology cannot provide real solutions to the many crises we face. I was also happy that Professor William Robinson, author of a number of books on the global economy, highlighted the clear connection between computer technologies and the further entrenchment of globalization today. As anyone who has followed my work will know, globalization is of particular interest to me. For more than 40 years, I've been studying its impacts on different cultures and societies around the world. From Ladakh and Bhutan to Sweden and Australia, a clear pattern has emerged. As people are pushed into deepening dependence on large-scale technological systems, ecological and social crises escalate. I'm not the only one to have seen this. In the International Forum on Globalization, a network I co-founded in 1992, I worked with 40 writers, journalists, academics, and social and environmental leaders from around the world to inform the public about the ways in which free trade treaties, the principal drivers of globalization, have eroded democracy, destroyed livelihoods, and accelerated resource extraction. And 
he puts free trade in quotation marks, which is appropriate because the free trade treaties are always the opposite of free trade, government-managed trade. Um, in countries as disparate as Sweden and India, I've seen how globalization intensifies competition for jobs and resources, leading to a dramatic social breakdown, including not only ethnic and religious conflict, but also depression, alcoholism, and suicide. Professor Robert Robinson wrote that we are at the brink of another round of restructuring and transformation based, based on a much more advanced digitalization of the entire global economy. This is true, but the link between globalization and technological expansion began well before the computer era. Large-scale technological apparatuses can be understood as the arms and legs of centralized profit-making. And while 5G networks, satellites, mass data harvesting, artificial intelligence, and virtual reality will allow the colonization of still more physical, economic, and mental space by multinational corporations, Technologies like fossil fuels, global trading infrastructures, and television have already helped to impose a corporate-run consumer-based economy in almost every corner of the globe. For reasons that are increasingly evident, an acceleration of this process is the last thing we need in a time of serious social and environmental crises. What's more, the technologies themselves, from the sensors to the satellites, all rely heavily on scarce resources, not least rare earth minerals. Some of the world's richest corporations are now racing each other to extract these minerals from the deepest seabeds and from the surface of Mars. I'm sure that'll happen. It has been estimated that the Internet alone, with its, its large, largely invisible data warehouses, much of it manned by exploited labor in the developing world, will use up a fifth of global electricity consumption by 2025. And for what? So that we can all spend more time immersed in and addicted to virtual worlds? so that we can automate agriculture, drive more communities off the land into swelling urban slums, so that drones can deliver our online purchases without an iota of face-to-face -face contact. When thinking about technology from within an already high-tech urban context, we can easily forget that nearly half the global population still lives in villages, still connected to the land. This is not to say that their way of life is not under threat. Far from it. Ladakh, the Himalayan region where I lived in and worked for several decades, was unconnected to the outside world by even a road until the 1960s. But today you can find processed corporate food, smartphones, mountains of plastic waste, traffic jams, and other signs of modernity in the capital. Uh, Leh. I'm probably pronouncing those names wrong. The first steps on this path were taken in the mid-1970s when, in the name of development, massive resources went into building up the energy, communications, and transport infrastructures needed to tie Ladakh to the global economy. Another step involved pulling Ladakhi children out of their villages into Western-style schools, where they learned none of the place-based skills that supported Ladakh's culture for centuries and instead were trained in, into the technological modernist, or modernist paradigm. Together, these forces are pushing the traditional way of life to the brink of extinction. While that process began relatively recently in Ladakh, in the West it has been going on far longer, with deeper impacts. But even here, more and more people are becoming aware that the technologization of their lives has led to increasing stress, isolation, and mental health struggles. During the pandemic, people have been forced to do more online than ever before. <clears throat> From classes to conversation with friends and family, and most have discovered how limited and empty online life can be. There is a clear cultural turning, visible now even in the mainstream, that goes beyond a desire to spend less time on screens. 
People are also beginning to reject the posturing of the consumer culture and its work-and-spend treadmill, wanting instead to slow down, to cultivate deeper relationships, and to engage in more community-oriented and nature-based activities. I see young people all over the world choosing to leave their screen-based jobs to become farmers. This return to the land is happening in Ladakh as well, which I find truly inspiring. Informal networks of mutual aid are rising. Friends are gardening, cooking, and baking bread together. Families are choosing to live on the land and developing relationships with the animals and plants around them. We are seeing increased respect for indigenous wisdom, for women and for the feminine, and a growing appreciation for wild nature and for all things vernacular, handmade, artisanal, and local. There is an emergence of alternative ecological practices in every discipline, from natural medicine to natural building, from eco-psychology to to ecological agriculture. And all those, these disciplines have often been the target of corporate co-optation and greenwashing. They are invariably emerging from the bottom-up efforts to restore a healthier relationship with the earth. <clears throat> with the earth. All of these positive, meaningful trends have been largely ignored by the media and given no support by policymakers. At the moment, they are running uphill in a system that favors corporate-led technological development at every turn. They testify to enduring goodwill, to a, a deep human desire for connection. All right, I'll I'll stop there. Good article, worth reading the rest of too. Um, but I I certainly agree with with most of it, despite the fact I'm sure the author is a big uh, global warming uh, proponent. But uh, it's. Yes, technology indeed, not the answer. To this, to, to this global government yeah. that's taking over. Well, it's uh, technology is not the answer to you know the actual problems of living life on a fallen world. You know, in a fallen world. Technology is not the answer to sin. Technology is not the answer to loneliness. Technology is not the answer to, you know, work. But I could do a Zoom call from home. <laughs> and, uh, I know. I, I don't it, actually it, have to see anybody. Also, it's interesting to use, for you to say that since you've been working at home for almost two years. Yeah. Well, I was I was working with technology one way or the other you know (laughs) so so I it's not the answer to um, to the big the big things right absolutely yeah and working from home does allow me to you know actually see my family a little more than I would if I were commuting an hour back and forth each day yeah for sure or in this case, uh, 28 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah not, not really an option to, to work from work anymore. Yeah. yeah. I could, I could, I could. So, uh, you know, I, I feel, I feel like we, we kind of dropped, have dropped the ball. I, I have dropped the ball, Tim. And okay. I've dropped the ball on my, Andrew scares everyone about the vaccine segment. I've, we've got, you know, no agenda playing clips on graphene, and and we're, I feel like we're falling behind. So I, I got to, uh, 
Got to ramp it up a bit. Uh, it's, it's okay, Andrew. You're a trendsetter. You know, <laughs> everybody else is now trending in that direction, and you know they don't know that the real issues here are uh, fighting against technology and uh, Elon Musk's Tesla trucks. So they'll figure that out, and then we'll move. We'll move right into it. So it, our our friend will put some clips of this guy into some of his videos. Uh, James Giordano, and I think we played a clip of his before. Oh, I don't know how long ago now. Maybe four or five months ago. Yeah. But I found this kind of compilation on BitChute, and I thought it was I thought it was interesting in light of current events. So this is it's fairly recent when he was speaking, but it's it's definitely pre-COVID when he was talking. What we're here to talk about today is the fact that the brain is and will be the 21st century battlescape in many ways. End of story. Sorry for that. You will encounter some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized not only in your military career, but in your personal and professional lives. It is valid, valuable, and already an operational play. The brain is the current and future battle space. What's new about this is the in-close nature of this. Increasingly, we're not seeing these things as weapons of mass destruction against gross aspects of the population. More specifically, perhaps, might be targeting individuals on a level that allows either direct attribution or covert engagement with non-attribution. If we talk about what brain science is, let me just give you a little bit of brief background on this field that is now called neuroscience. As a titular field, as a named field, neuroscience has only been in existence for 40 years. I know that because I've been a neuroscientist for about 38 of those 40 years. Increasingly, it is becoming an international, multinational, global, and independently exercised event and endeavor, which increases the capability of the brain sciences to develop not only new theories, but ever more sophisticated tools. So, how then can we use these elements as weapons, means of contending against others? Formal definition of a weapon, probably the one that you've heard about most recently, most contemporaneously in, in the literature, is the possibility to use some form of directed energy to affect physiology peripherally and also to affect the physiology and health of the brain. Case in point here, U.S. Embassy personnel in Havana and possibly in China. Clearly, one of the things we can also do is transcranial neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate the node network activity of the brain, to implant certain brain-machine interfaces. These are many of the DARPA programs that you may hear of now, probably the one that is most notorious, is something called the N3 program, which is the non-invasive neurosurgical neuromodulation program being run by their program manager, Dr. Al Mundi. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. And then, of course, you also have the things that are a little bit more traditional. If we talk about things that can be operable in the biochemical space, we ordinarily talk about drugs, bugs, toxins, and ever more, we're considering devices. I can disrupt an individual from the level of their cell to their system, and disrupt individuals on a variety of levels from individuals all the way up to the social fabric. Target a specific individual, change or eliminate that individual with very little attribution and trace and be able to leave prior to any attribution. Drugs can be exceedingly specific and as I'll show you in a moment can be very, very much used to individualize weaponology in terms of what we call precision pathology or precision effect. And by affecting the way that brain is built and the way it functions, influence in ways that are kinetic and non-kinetic the attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, 
activities. Look at the power that understanding tools and techniques of the brain sciences afford. We also see the use of biodata as a viable weapon. Manipulating biodata so that I can then put into your particular medical records subtle information that may change the disposition of whether you're sick or not. Change how you're treated. Influence the postures that go to you in terms of insurance, care, viability for military service. By altering that information, by changing those data, by purloining those data, I essentially change the you of you. And I can do that in very subtle and insidious ways. Furthermore, I can do that on a variety of different levels that can affect key individuals, so that in fact your medical record changes to thereby render you incapable, or at least invalid to be able to serve in a way you're serving. Or I can do that on a much larger scale, groups, populations. And if I change those data, I change the way you're being regarded and treated. And I can do that in one of two ways. I can do it in such a way that you're going to be regarded in a negative sense. Or I can do that in such a way that I'm going to treat you incorrectly. If I say, for example, you have a particular allergy or you have a particular disorder, you will be treated for that. And that could then harm your health and your stability in both a short wars approach as well as a long wars approach. One of the newest developments is that nanoparticulate matter can be stabilized for distribution. If you're not aware of what nanoparticulate matter is, it's that matter which exists on a scale of one times 10 to the minus ninth. Very, very small. Smaller than a cell. And we can manufacture materials that have discrete properties that can be controlled by virtue of bioengineering and their physical chemistry. I can create small robotic units, controllable robotic units at the nanoscale, and that these two can be aerosolized to create a nanoswarm of biopenetrable materials that you cannot see, that can penetrate all but the most robust biochemical filters that are able to integrate themselves through a variety of membranes, mucous membranes in wherever, mouth, nose, ears, eyes, can be then uptaken into the vascular system to create clumping, can affect the vascular system of the brain or can directly diffuse into the brain space and these can be weaponized. And they can be done in such a level that their presence is almost impossible to detect and as such, the attribution becomes exceedingly difficult to demonstrate. We've come to the precarious position of opening the proverbial can of worms of if, how, in what ways, to what extent, and when these techniques and technologies will be used in weaponized intelligence and national security agenda. Are civilian ethics even viable any longer? And if we engage military ethics, what military ethical principles will we engage? So can we can we close that can of worms back up, maybe? <laughs> Are civilian ethics even viable anymore? Uh yeah, I would I would say ethics still very viable. If yeah. you look at every society throughout history, when they fall apart ethically and morally, guess what? The whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Be salt and light. Um, you know, the when I was in the, we first started the show, and I was kind of younger in my fact finding and just discovery. I thought that everything was controlled by this monolithic group called the Illuminati, and they uh, they have control over everything, and they guide things, and they're setting us all up to bring in the ultimate deception, which is the Antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. And I still think that's fairly accurate, but the older I get, the more I start to realize that 
they don't have it all under control. They have a, a kind of a, a rough outline of a plan. And there's all kinds of weird stuff happening in between. Yeah. Uh, I think some of it is designed, but some of it's not. And then they have to kind of adjust and uh, uh, move, well, it- move accordingly. Like the vaccine schedule, right? Like other than like a spiritual power, I... I and maybe even with like Fauci and some of those top top level people, they may understand what's going on. But there are so many people that are complicit in the whole vaccine schedule situation that don't really understand what in the world is going on. They don't have a clue that you know that well the, 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 the pediatricians pe- have a clue. They know they they know they get their forty grand bonus if the eighty percent of their kids are vaccinated. This makes you know? Andrew mad, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I don't know if you've noticed, but Andrew, <laughs> this is Andrew miffed. Um, but it's just it's just so many people just go along with it, and they don't know they've just been lied to and compartmentalized, and and there's so many factors in this whole situation that are unfolding, and it it, it it's kind of refreshing well, in one way because it, it starts to re- you start to realize like you can make a difference little stuff mm-hmm. like this podcast how you spend your money how you spend your time what you do with your life how you teach your children it really does sig- make a significant difference because there is no monolithic stars you know like architecture that's going to take us to a predestination predestined you know place there is kind of a out, rough outline in the. There is a liar in, in a. It's a battle. Uh, an evil. It's a battle. It's absolutely a battle, but it's still a battle. And in the oh, end, yeah. they lose, which is my favorite part. Right. It's just that we're stuck <laughs> in this moment where they think that they can win, at least some of them. So, yeah, and and the tech, you know, the technological weapons or solutions never work as well as advertised. You know, I, I think they've been trying to. Release superbugs for years. Yeah, I mean they definitely know? had they definitely had the Ebola and the swine flu, yeah, and there was a couple pretty notable ones. Yeah, it's, so they've been attempting that. They've been you know like this James Giordano guy has been brewing up how to control people's brains and and you know how much of what he said is accurate as to what they can really do and how much is more aspirational what they want to be able to do, I tend to think it's pretty far back from where he's saying, but they can poison you. And that's what they're doing. Like, they, they don't know how to, like, truly control people. I think they can make people mad. They're good at that. They got that one figured out. And they can poison people, and that that can do a lot of damage with those two things. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, interesting that he never mentions viruses, huh? Weird. <laughs> all the all these things that you can manipulate and use as weapons, and, and not viruses. Hmm. Well, he, you know, he's going to use viruses to, well, he, to further his plan. <laughs> No, I'm saying he he knows well, he I'm reading between the lines that he may know that viruses are not what we have to worry about. <laughs> you got to worry about the stuff that gets injected into India and you know, and all the nanoparticle stuff, I mean it's t- this is the basic problem of the Moderna vaccines and the reason that 
Moderna and mRNA technology never got a single product to market, you know, fully FDA approved until a couple days ago. And that is that if it is strong enough to, if there's enough of the lipid nanoparticles in there to actually do something, it's toxic. So it can't work and be non-toxic. It can either work and kill you of toxicity or, or, you know, damage you of toxicity or not work and have a low enough level of toxicity that you will probably be okay. You know, they, they can't poison everyone and they can't, uh, they can't stop the truckers. So there's some hope. <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. Well, another thing that gives us some hope is we continue to do this podcast and people continue to support us. I don't know why, but they do. So one of the great parts about this podcast is we're a solely listener-supported production. This means listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism. If you feel you're getting value from this show, please help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you to make this work. This is based on the value-for-value model. So let's see who has contributed some value this week. Uh, We start off the week with uh, two... Of our normal people. So Kyle came in, looks like, with $75. And then uh, Danny came in with his $25. So those guys up front, uh, thank you very, very much for your help. And, uh, yeah, if you want to you take the list from here, sir. And Kyle, I saw you signed up on, on the Substack. I appreciate that as well. So uh, Jared who I believe is a new donor. I could be wrong. He is not. He absolutely he's is not. not. A new no, donor. he is. And he's from Florida. And I'm not even sure if it's Okeechobee. I just feel like it's Okeechobee. I was actually looking through the 2021 spreadsheet to try and find uh, his last donation. But no, he is, okay. defi- he is definitely not a new supporter at all. He's been supporting us for a bit. Okay. Well, thank you, Jared, for that $100 Donation from the free state of Florida. And Emily, with a $10 donation, I believe that's a subscription, right? It is, yep. Yeah, thank you. And Chris, with Chris L, we'll throw a last initial in there, $25. Thank you very much, And I think he's in the Kansas City area. Oh, awesome. I want to go to Missouri. We got... um, We had... Giant donation last week from yeah, that's oh. from Missouri, right? And I've I've come up with their name by the way. I figured it out just after the show finished. I figured it out. It is the uh, Garden City Farmers. Gardens, wait, what what name? That's the name. They want. They didn't care if they got producer credit. They didn't care if oh, okay. uh, their names are on anything. They're Chris and Karen, of course, from Garden City. But I'm going to call them the Garden our Garden City Farmers. I think Garden nice. City Farmers is a good a good name. I like it. I mean, Garden is kind of the opposite of a city, but Garden City is a good. You know, it sounds like a nice place. Yeah, and so. they're farmers. So yeah. I, and thank you for sending over the pictures that they had sent to you. Yeah. Saw some farm pictures. Very cool. Uh, 
Matthew from Canada. Thank you, Matthew, from Burlington, Ontario, Canada, with $7, and he has donated many times before. Thank you, Matthew. Yes, he has. Sean, $5. Thank you, Sean. Autumn, five dollars. These are these are the the regulars, and we really appreciate it. Yep, that's Autumn from Snoqualmie, Washington. I feel bad. She always liked. She said that she uh, really enjoyed having someone close with the similar views and knowing that I was close. It's like, ah. Autumn, there is there is room in Oklahoma for you. This is it's it. You know, I Idaho is nice. Mm-hmm. But the first reaction, almost universally, if you tell someone who lives in Idaho that you want to move to Idaho, mm-hmm. is Idaho is full. Sorry. Well, that's, I mean, so, that's, that was, but that's a, north, that's a Northwest thing, man. Yeah. Seattle is the same way. Oh, yeah, you're moving here. You don't want to uh, move here. It rains. It rains. <laughs> it rains. That's all they so, want to talk about is how much it rains so that people don't realize that there's like five months of Valhalla. Or basically, well, I, no bugs, there's sunshine, and very little rain. I've come to the conclusion that uh, the Midwest here, you know, Oklahoma and, and other states, what they've done is they they have perpetuated the idea that, oh, it's ugly here. Oh, come on, it's terrible. This, they're, they're playing a much more advanced game of, the, it rains a lot here, you don't want to move here. Like, no, this is next level. But they don't, they're not actively... Uh, rude when you say you want to move to their their state. So it, <laughs> most people I've talked to say, "Why? Why would you move yeah. here from Seattle? <laughs> like why?" There's something like Seattle in, in the Northwest in general. Like you get used to the hills, the rivers, the lakes, the the mountains, and that's all amazing. And the ocean and all that stuff. It, don't get me wrong, absolutely awesome. But you don't get a lot of wide open spaces and one thing about no. oklahoma is there is a lot of wide open spaces and it's, you know if you lived here your whole life and you kind of may get sick of the fact that it's all spread out and sprawling and wide open spaces but it's for somebody like us you know people like us who are used to that temperature that yeah. climate you know it, it, but it's wild man i mean not a lot of people could put up with this they say oh seattle weather changes a lot you know one thing i'll give seattle is the microclimates like one neighborhood it'll be raining the next neighborhood it won't be that was weird they do mm-hmm. have little microclimate stuff which you don't get around here but like in, and our buddy from boston says uh you know our, our donor from boston says hey if you don't like the weather just wait a minute it'll change it's like you guys have no idea like <laughs> a couple of days ago it was we- 71 degrees yeah, I, and on the same application for checking the weather, it says seventy-one degrees, winter weather advisory. <laughs> for, for two days later, <laughs> for, it was rolling in the day later or whatever. It's yeah. like it, it temperature dropped to. I mean, we got to twelve, and there was negative five degree wind chills, and then it snowed on us. So yeah, it's just. Here in the Great Plains, there's no rivers, or, or there is rivers, but there's no mountains or anything to stop the wind. So the wind just comes sweeping through, and whatever it, whatever weather it brings, it brings. And uh, so much sun, though. It's yeah. I mean, today it's just beautiful out there. Blue That's sky my, with the nice fresh snow yeah my wife was saying that she's like every day there's there's sun and that's awesome like she drove yeah. out today it was just like this is great it's sunny but the the snow is melting and anyway it's uh yeah. we talk less about the weather here i think because i don't know why but i think it's because we have central heating and air and we're less dependent on whatever the weather does and it's not 
Yeah, I'll never forget. Now, imagine an Oklahoma kid moving to Seattle and then hearing on the radio, it's day 48 with no sun. Hopefully, we'll get the sun to come out soon. You're like, what in the world? Where did yeah. I move? This is nuts. So, Yeah, I think Cascade Locks, was it just last year when we had the streak of over 30 consecutive days where it rained at least part of the day? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah this is... Now you know, in, we might we might all die of lack of water at some point, but uh, until then, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, uh, there's been no rain, but we just got a couple inches of snow, so hopefully that wets everything down a little bit, gets a little bit of the ground wet so that we can... Uh, grow some grass. Make it through green this... Green up the grass. Yeah, yeah. make it through this, uh, this, this, uh, this drought. So anyway, and, and I think not to be last but not least, uh, Autumn... Thank you. Uh, but uh, Kyle, who is a new donor, who also is a subscriber at $10. So, uh, Also, Chris, who is from Kansas City, I need to get back to you. I appreciate your messages, and uh, I will get back to you soon. So I'm not great with the email. I any, apologize. Is there anyone that needs a book? Does Chris need a book? I don't think Chris needs a book. I think Chris has donated before. Chris, shoot me a message if you want a book, uh, because no, he's, he's definitely donated before. So... Um, I recognize I think I've already sent sent him a book yeah yeah nope I think that's it and I checked the P.O. box the last couple days uh, I don't know I don't know how well mail's running with the, the snow the way it was yesterday <laughs> yesterday like we made we did get out you know that's one of the benefits of having a Land Rover it can kind of drive over any terrain but it, it was almost pointless to go out because everything was closed anyway yeah <laughs> so it's the old negative wind chill. When you get to the negative wind chill, stuff just starts closing up. Tim, the, the local news said, if you can stay home, stay home. So we stayed home. Oh, listen to our newscasters. and Good for you. you know, they, they do all the, uh, the weird, like, here's what you should wear today propaganda. I don't, it's so strange. It's like, <laughs> I don't, they did, that was very much a Northwest thing, too, but apparently it's everywhere. Oh, what, what to wear today? Like, you should wear multiple layers if you go outside because it's really cold. It's like, can you just tell me, like, what temperature it's going to be and I can kind of figure it out from there? <laughs> no, Andrew, you can't be trusted to make your own decisions. Yeah. It's like a Daniel Tiger episode of <laughs> the evening news. Dora the Explorer. Yeah. Get your sweatshirt out. Ba, 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 da. You did it's, it! It's snowing. Should I wear a swimsuit? No. no. <laughs> Our kids are both too young for us to be having this conversation. Yeah. There is uh, some programming, of course, in this house that may, may include that. Although, uh, my youngest doesn't watch TV unless she's overseeing someone else watching TV. We're not turning on the TV for anybody around here. TV doesn't really go on till after... It shouldn't really go on till after dark. We try to keep it off, but you never know. Sometimes you're doing a podcast and you just got to throw in the towel. (laughs) You just got to make the listeners happy. Get them the podcast and hope that... uh... Anyway. um, Thank you, everybody, who donated. You guys are awesome. Uh, As Andrew mentioned, if you do donate over $25, you get a copy of The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective. So, Yeah, and... And... You can have all donors are welcome to a free subscription to my Substack. Oh my gosh! This dude, what a deal. This dude just giving just giving it out. <laughs> also, I need to collect my Monero, my Monero uh, donation. I need to get. Uh, do you have a Monero wallet set up by chance? 
No, but I, I want to because that was one of the James Corbett recommended cryptos. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got to get one of those set up. So I will. I will be doing that soon as well. Um, you know, we have talked about this many times. It sounds like things are getting wild out there. <laughs> but uh, we talked about this many times. But uh, it's kind of sad to see it continue to unfold. And that is the supposed Uma Abedin Hillary Clinton frazzle drip tape. Which, you know, Q was going to expose these two were sacrificing kids on yeah, camera and all this how's stuff. That Mac, how's that McAfee uh, dead man switch going? No McAfee dead man switch, but it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, McAfee's, I actually got an article sent to me this week. McAfee's uh, body still in the morgue, not being allowed to be collected from the yeah, that's sp- odd, isn't it? Spanish prison where it is. So. Uh, but I, I caught this on the mainstream source, and if you think about it in relation to the Uma Abedin and Hillary Clinton supposed video, kind of alarming, uh, and c- absolutely no reporting in any way on this. Some sad news tonight. Another New York City police officer has taken his life. The second NYPD suicide in two days. The police commissioner has declared a mental health crisis in his department, and he spoke today with our Jeff Begays. Robert Echeverria died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound at home last night. The 25-year veteran officer's suicide came a little more than 24 hours after a 35-year-old officer took his own life. Commissioner James O'Neill is still struggling with the news. You know, you think, okay, this is going to be the last one. And, and last night, I got a phone call and I just it, it, it just almost knocked me down. I just took the wind right out of me. I just, you know, what the hell's going on here? So far this year, there have been nine NYPD suicides, seven since June. Last year, there were a total of four. There's people out there that love you, that want to help you, but uh, unless you come forward, unless your partner says something, a friend, we're not going to know. What New York City is experiencing is part of a nationwide trend in policing. Since January, there have been at least 125 officers who've died by suicide. According to one study, cops are 30% more likely to die by suicide than the general public. Police departments like the NYPD are expanding the safety net by offering more counseling and avenues for officers to seek help anonymously. We don't know why Nick did what he did. Doug Budney's son, Nick, a 14-year NYPD officer, took his own life last year. I just think it was a bad last decision that he made with not thinking all the way through what all the ramifications that everyone else. Nora, today in a profanity-laced statement, the police union was critical of how the city has responded to these suicides. And it accused the NYPD of destroying the careers of officers who reach out for help. Mm. Jeff Begay's, our thoughts are with their families. Thank you. That that doesn't justify some follow up. That last claim. No, no, we no. don't. We don't need to, no. We don't need any follow up. It's fine. So is there is there any evidence that these particular I was officers lo- were involved? I was the- looking into that and. Um, I, I, I have not found verified evidence. I've seen rumors of uh, about, goodness, um, nine out of twelve of the people who looked at it are now dead. But I don't have any. Mm. I don't have any any uh, proof of such a That's thing. That's interesting. The, 
Well, I mean, it it is pretty well documented that it was the NYPD that that had the yep. Well, that's stuff, and that's why they brought up the charges on Weiner, Anthony Weiner. That is <laughs> right. So, um, no, I'm not saying it's not a possibility. I think the it's interesting they covered it, but tried to you know kind of throw like a well there's it's just because they're police and nationwide it's an issue i don't know it was a a very fishy report although the the other commonality you know more police are ex-military and that so this is you know ex-military suicides are a big deal too that's yeah that's a great point that's a really good point that's uh yeah, it just, I don't know. It just sticks, sticks out as odd to me. So I had to I had to cover it. And of course, we had old what's-her-name talking about this like a, couple, a year or two ago before she was going to drop the hammer on everybody. Who was that? Uh, let me double-check. What's her name again? Uh, oh, come on. The, 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 the uh, fraud. The voter fraud lady. Oh. Sandy, Cindy. No. Hmm. Well, we had... So it was... uh, Lynn was the guy. Yep. And then... Yeah, I know know what you're saying. Yep. I know who you're talking about. I can see her. I just can't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I think it's odd that nobody's ever kind of followed up on all this. And, you know, we got more and more people committing suicide, but maybe that's just the norm for police officers at this point. Well, I guess it all comes down to whether... They're the actual ones. Whether nine of the 12 are indeed part of that group, um, or if it's just unrelated unrelated people because regardless of the number of increase in suicides nine out of 12 was you know not believable yeah yeah no i agree and then uh you know who carrie lake is yes she was asked a newscaster turned governor candidate in arizona exactly she was asked a question here recently about uh if she thinks uh, Joe Biden is running the country, which I thought was an interesting clip. Did you hear this one? Oh, no, I did not. Do you think Joe Biden is the current president? Well, he's obviously sitting in the White House. Do you think he's the president? I'm asking you, but I'm just wondering, do you think if do you think that if the 2020 election was stolen, is Joe Biden the president? Do you think the election was stolen? I, I have no comment. <laughs> Do you think that Joe Biden garnered 81 million votes? Do you think the elections were fair? The problem is that the American people don't have all the answers because the media is part of the problem. Media is not reporting it. Media has never reported our forensic audit fairly. They're not reporting what's happening in Georgia. They're not reporting on these ballot traffickers that are being paid to drop off ballots. Media is doing a huge disservice to this country. And the people aren't getting the full story. But eventually I do think they will. And the media, whose numbers are dropping, 
dropping like a rock, are going to continue to drop, and pretty soon nobody will be watching because the media has turned their back on the people of America and not been honest. ABC News, CNN, MSNBC spent more than three years lying to the American people, saying that Russia colluded with Donald J. Trump to steal an election in 2016. And they knew that was false. They knew they were peddling lies, and they did nothing to stop it. It was a complete hoax, and it was a lie. And now they're doing the opposite. We have evidence of corruption in our election, and they refuse to cover it. They refuse to be honest with the people of this country. It is disgusting what the media has done. And uh, I think their days are numbered when it comes to uh, surviving all of this. The business, when you're lying to the people and you're in media, it's a bad business model. I thought it was the only business model. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was, well, as long as you, you just uh, lie for Big Pharma, that's the business model there. Well, and you got all the local media propped up by Google money and Big Pharma money and every, you know, it's a, but without people watching it and believing it, um, there was a whole uh, clip, it was a CNN clip that was highlighted on YouTube because YouTube's going to help combat disinformation. So here's some good information about how all the uh, athletes dropping dead, how it's, this is debunked, right? And, you know, I watched it and I'm like, it's not even worth clipping for the show because no one listening to the show is going to be fooled by that report I guess you know where they they find one example that's questionable and say oh see therefore uh, none of the rest happened either the end right yeah yeah the old straw man yeah so well, and and they uh, apparently don't count soccer players as the athletes because they only considered U.S. athletes. <laughs> it's wow. like, no, the the main thing happening is the European soccer players. That's what everyone is talking about. You know, the American football players apparently just got their fake vaccine cards or the you know the sailing shots. But where to next? Oh, I don't. I don't have a a bunch else. That was a good vote for Carrie Lake if you're in Arizona. I don't really know, but <laughs> it, she seems like the best option. Right. You got anything else you want to let me cover? Take, take a look here. I don't. I want to f- get to the bottom of these uh, suicides. Oh, uh, some good news. Uh, huge earnings miss for Facebook. Oh, good. So, okay. it, was, it was like the largest one-day drop per dollar. Like, on paper, Zuckerberg lost like $20 billion or something like that. So, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good for him. Uh, Meta is the dystopia of the future, so I, ho- I hope that it all falls apart. Yeah. Unfortunately, Google did uh, did very well, so... Not not all good news. Now the uh, the most toxic food in the world. You want to guess what it is, Tim? Tim is dealing with the 
the kiddos, the most toxic food in the world is farmed salmon, according to Dr. Mercola. This is also posted on Children's Health Defense. Uh, just some highlights. Aquaculture promotes itself as a sustainable solution to overfishing, but it actually takes 1.5 to 8 kilograms, or 3.3 to 17.6 pounds, of wild fish to produce a single kilogram of farmed salmon. That's interesting. Fish farms pollute the aquatic environment and spread disease to wild fish. Farmed fish are also an inferior food source, in part by providing fewer healthy nutrients, in part by containing more toxins. Research shows farmed salmon contain five, more, five times more toxins than any other food tested, including higher levels of PCBs and dioxin. And research also warns that farmed Atlantic salmon may contain PBDEs, toxic flame retardant chemicals that have been restricted or banned in the U.S. and many European countries due to their effects, effects on child development. And toxins in the fish feed and environmental concentrations of the chemicals have been identified as the two primary culprits. And I, I, you know, I love salmon, but uh, just make sure it's the real salmon. It's unfortunate. Salmon. I've always liked the any kind of salmon, but yeah, yeah that's unfortunate. So, kind of crazy how the. I mean, you would think like, oh, it shouldn't be that bad, <laughs> right? I right. mean, it's still salmon, but well, according to Doctor Mercola, turns out God's bad. God's design. Better than man's design. Yeah, well, there's another example of a technology that didn't exactly deliver on its promises. There. Very cool. Very true. All right. Do you have any words of wisdom for us today, Andrew? On this sunny, snow melting, oh man, yeah. uh, beautiful day. Yeah, day before, day before the big four zero birthday for me here. So oh, happy wow. birthday to me. Happy birthday to you indeed, sir. Happy birthday. I, I did not know that. All I want is a hundred free Substack subscriptions. There we go. <laughs> I think we're maybe forty percent of the way there. There you go. Somewhere along along the line. But I but our uh, listener who wrote in and said, Oh, there's more people than that, they just know how to work RSS feeds, i.e. the Corbett Report uh, crew. And I think that's accurate because it, it looks like a couple hundred people are at least looking at it. Yeah, so. yeah, I would agree with that, too. I think it's uh, people working the RSS. Very good. Well, we made it. I got a, a silent mouse, but not silent kids. So we did the, <laughs> we did the best we could. You can't apparently uh, yeah. buy those. For we're, just, we're throwing challenges at our, <laughs> our, our kind and talented audio <laughs> Uh, editing volunteer like here take this <laughs> thanks for helping out I'll try and cut some of these out I hope the audio comes through on our end sorry we didn't do a show earlier this week I think uh, some stuff came up on Wednesday and then it was uh, the snow and then you were out of power and it just uh, pushed yeah. us all the way into Thursday so we hope everybody has a good weekend uh, if you into want to Friday Today is Friday. Yeah, it's Friday now. So here we go. Here comes the weekend. Uh, hope everybody has a good weekend. Enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the sun or the cold or wherever you are. But mainly, just enjoy your family. Turn off the technology. Yep. Turn off the technology. That's a good uh, word of wisdom, other than our podcast, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. of course. 
But, you know, listen to our podcast. We'll go in for a walk outside. How about that? Amen. Amen to that. I did that first thing this morning. I took my little my little boy. We went on an adventure uh, up the dirt road and back, and we found a huge snow drift and dug a tunnel in it earlier today. And if you need a presentation complete with animated pictures of clothing on what to wear let me know i can you know match up your weather for your particular weather conditions with what clothing you should wear outside to go outside so i went with two pairs of pants two <laughs> two shirts a thick pair of socks some boots and and the coat and hat so that was yeah. that was how i did it and yeah we crawled through a little tunnel and had had fun out here in the snow nice very nice all right guys well thanks for uh, joining us and uh, i guess we'll see you next week Thanks, everybody. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Mm-hmm.